I'd like to thank Aaron K for sponsoring this week's Torah content. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shirim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and access additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishnewest.substack.com. Okay, so just for today, at least, we're doing uh, the Rambam in Sefer Shoftim Hilchos Evil, Chapter Thirteen. The halacha is about comforting the mourner. Okay, which uh, I just got through saying that I have not done inside in a long time. Um, so um, it's uh, and you know this is Chapter Thirteen out of fourteen. So like there might be some stuff he said before, uh, and also you have to realize there's a lot of stuff in Avilus that is. Minhag dependent. So if there's stuff here that seems radically different from what we do, uh, then it might just be because there's different minhagim and such, but that's kind of what I want to dive into this. Okay. How do we comfort the mourners? Good question. After we bury the dead, then um, uh, they, the, the mourners gather and stand to the side of the, of the graveyard, the cemetery. And all who accompanied the dead, who escort the dead, all the people who escorted the dead, um, stand in uh, two rows of lines, one before the other. And there's no line fewer than 10. And the mourners do not count. Okay, so this is like at the cemetery, making two lines. The mourners stand to the left of the comforters. I'm having a hard time picturing this for a second, yeah? To the left of the comforters, but I'm not sure what that means. They're on the side of the grave. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not getting a, a clear picture here. Let, let, let's read to the halacha uh, um, to the end, and then I'll check the English. And all of the comforters come to the mourners one by one, and they say, well, here's the difference in the minhag, right, is that... Uh, Ashkenazim are accustomed to say and um, I think Sephardim follow the Rambam that they say something either may you be comforted uh, from heaven or right or uh, from heaven may you be comforted um, let's just get a basic idea of what Nahama is <laughs> so the you know what, what it means to comfort um, I mean, because I think people just automatically think of it in terms of like making feelings nice, you know, um, but the Hebrew word root of, uh, of um, nun ches mem has uh, two um, other meanings. One is comfort. And then there's two more that use in Tanakh. While you for tell comfort. me uh, for uh, no two nun ches mem means either comfort or this or that. Yeah. Let's see if I can find. I think I, I gave Sharon this in the summer. Mercy. Say again? No. What do you say? Uh-huh. Oh, this is the wrong thing. Um, let's see. I gave Sharon this. Why do I not? Have, oh, because I wrote about it. Hold on. Um, did I write about it? And the I believe yeah, we learned okay, about okay. it in our Haruzo. So it also means, um, hold on, there's a good, oh, here we go. Yeah. So it means, um, so comfort or consolation, regret or remorse is another one. So Hashem says, I will erase mankind from whom I created, uh, whom I created from upon the face of the earth, for I regret having made them. Uh, so that's a uh, key, um, 
I regret made, made, having made them. And then no man feels remorse over his evil. And then also to change your mind. That's um, uh, when he, Hashem was going to destroy B'nai Israel for the Chay de Egal. And then he changed uh, Yeah. So what do those three have in mind, in common? I mean, um, yeah. I feel like it's weird. Because you're saying that what makes sense is to say that comfort is really type of a mortification to make, to make someone remorse. Comfort is more, say it again? As in to make someone remorseful. Comfort makes someone have, be remorseful? Whereas in, in my mind, like you can think of changing one's mind could easily fit into remorse. Uh, so really go to the three, I could fit the other two both into remorse. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, so you're fitting them under remorse. I would say it a little differently. I would say. Well, regret and remorse are similar as in your changing your mind. Yeah. Uh, and then comfort would be trying to change someone else's mind, I guess. Okay. So, um, so Rav Hirsch agrees with Akiva. Okay. Rav Hirsch says, the root Nachem has a unique meaning. Nachem in the PL form means to comfort. Hinachem uh, in the uh, yeah. Hinachem in the Nifal means to be comforted. Another meaning is to alter one's decisions regarding some future action. A third meaning to have remorse for something one has done. The primary meaning is to change one's mind. By extension, this is what you're saying. By extension, we get remorse when you thought this was a good idea and you change your mind and it's not, uh, and change in decision. Constellation two changes the way one feels about something that has happened, right? So then the question then is, what would it mean for, uh, where's the PDF here, for uh, to be comforted from heaven uh, or to be, in other words, if you look at comfort from the perspective of changing your mind, what would it mean to be comforted from heaven or to be comforted by God? Could you say that it's um? This is not all part of God's plan, but like it's a natural thing that happens. Okay, so so let's put this right. Right, so there's gonna be something where yeah, fine. Yeah, could you say that like the audio is on the wrong setting? Uh, Speakers and volume. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. I think I can hear you now. Yeah, yeah. Could you say that in in a sense it's a. I, I just forgot the word we used for it, but that like it's uh, it like reconfigures the way that you think about the passing of the person or, or the state that you're in right now. Yeah. Of, so like, loss. So and what's the element of min hashemayim or mehashem? Uh, maybe from like a vantage point of God's, um, like in the kind of like a tefillah way, but like a yeah. thinking about what death means in the context of God. And like, to me, it reminds me, I was just going through these halakos over Shabbos because yeah. I came home, you know, I came to Detroit to, to be Menachem Abel for Yeshua. Yeah. And, and then there's a halakha that is often quoted. I feel that the Shulchan Aruch brings out, it seems kind of harsh about like three days for crying. Yeah. And, from the for Shiva yeah. Or, and for eulogizing. Right. And, and, um, uh, and that the realm says anybody who, who cries I'm just going to read, just gonna read or, what you know. you're referring to because I have it here. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Ramam. So just reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll read it and then you can you can say what your insight was. So the Ramam um, says uh, in terms of the program uh, that you have. He's a person shouldn't be hard on himself about a death excessively. Okay, Shnemar all typical the Nudulo. It's a raya which I'm not going to go into right now. Klomar yasumidai olam. This is the way of the world. Death is the way of the world. If you are, uh, if you suffer because of the way of the world, then you're an idiot. Okay, that's that's what Chaim Benoni said. Harsh. Rather, what should you do? Three days for crying. Shiva seven meaning 
from three to seven is eulogizing. Shloshing yom l'tisporos l'shara chamisha. And then 30 days for not cutting your hair and the other uh, five uh, uh, halakhas of shloshim. Then he says the opposite extreme. Anyone who does not mourn according to the guidelines of the Chachamim is cruel or indifferent. So you can't be overly emotional uh, to the point where you're you're suffering based on the way of the world because that's idiocy. You also can't be, uh, you, you can't not do these things because then that indicates a different kind of defect, which is uh, cruelty or indifference. Yeah, so Chaim, what were you going to segue from there into for the... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that, like, that, like, part of this process seems like it's reframing it in a minhagoshalolam kind of way. So I feel like getting comfort from heaven is like recognizing that you know there's like a justice and a, you know there's a divine justice and that God has like a like systems and that death is part of that system. Right. Um, and if That's, you reframe yeah. it that way and you don't take it as like a personal thing, you know. Right. Um, then I feel like you could that someone could find comfort in that. Yeah. So so ultimately it's gonna have to be getting your, you know, when you when when the death is fresh in your mind, then all of your subjective emotions are awakened and and you're not thinking logically and uh and you're blowing things out of proportion and everything like that. And that's natural. And Halakha does not try to suppress that. It allows you to cry for three days and to uh mourn for uh you know uh, eulogize for seven days and then have shloshing for that. But if at a certain point, and look, you can't, um, you can't, uh, everyone grieves differently and all the circumstances are different uh, and there's no script. So I, don't, I, I wouldn't take this as a like condemnatory, like you're a, you're a bad person if you cry on day four, you know, like it's not like that. It's, it's, I think one, sometimes when you are grieving, part of you does wonder like, is this normal? Is this not? What is baseline? What is the, you know, and this is really like saying the blueprint of, of what a healthy morning looks like in terms of Torah. Person might not always be able to get there. Like, you know, if you have a horrifically tra- tragic, uh, you know, death, it might take you a lot longer than that. But but the destination is being comforted from heaven, which means seeing things in an objective way, which is two things. One is seeing the place of death in the world, but the other is what the Raman goes on to say, you should fear, worry, and analyze your actions and, and return into Shuva. And then this segues into something that I've been thinking about lately also. If someone in your Chavura dies, and Chavura to my mind is anyone who you have a connection with who is not one of the seven relatives you mourn for, like who you actually do a bailiff for. So this could be like a good friend, this could be a peer, this could be you know an acquaintance, uh, anyone along those lines. Then the entire group should uh, should worry in that manner and do tshuva. And then he says, For the first three days, you should see yourself as though the sword is on your neck, uh, or in modern terms, that there's a gun to your head. Okay. Um, from three to seven, you should see the sword as though it's in, sitting in the corner. Uh, and then, and from then on, overs connecto bashuk. It's like passing by you in the marketplace. Okay. Like, you know, you see, like, what's that sword? You know, uh, all of this is today. Now, there's two gearsaws here. This says in order for you to uh, prepare yourself to return. But then the Shalat, um, good one says, uh, I mean, that was from the Tamani one also. This is in order that you should understand your mind and return, which I think is a little bit, uh, the, the, the other one makes more sense to me, but understanding your mind, 
happens to fit in line with the way that Chaim is describing it of like understanding that your own mind has its own way of processing these things and understanding like where that comes from. But then the key is viyat lachzor is to do tshuva or mishnasa and wake up from your sleep. Shinamar, as it says, hikisa osan chalo, that uh, Yumiyahu says to God, you struck them and they did not tremble. Michal, this implies shetarich lahakis vlachu, that you need to wake up and tremble. And going back to what um, we were saying before, comforting is not just changing your theoretical understanding of how death fits into the world, but also using this as an opportunity to align yourself with the Ratzon Hashem and realizing your own mortality. Like that's how do we understand the sword idea? It's the basic idea that you are subject to mortality and, you know, you, you could, this could have been you, you could die at, at any minute also, and it's going to wear off. That's how it goes from your neck to the corner, to the market. It's only natural that it wears off, but you have to take that and do use it as impetus for chuva to the extent that you can. And that's also, you know, uh, using this as a way to frame yourself in God's framework. Um, yeah. Uh, Chaim, is that left overhand or do you have more to say? I'll assume that it was a uh, leftover hand. Yeah, that was leftover. Sorry. Okay, fine. Yeah, that was good. Um, and uh, let me just read one more here because I think that is, uh, yeah, this is the last one about morning proper, I think, or uh, comforting proper. Oh, sorry. No. Havelim omnim lismol not we read that. Okay. So then the mourner goes home. Each and every set of the day of the seven days, people come to comfort him. That's interesting. You know, when I was learning with Yoshua about all the wedding stuff, there's all these like connections between the wedding, uh, weddings and uh, funerals. Like, you know, Moshe was masaking the seven days of party for a wedding and the seven days of, uh, of Avelos. And this, I've never seen Panim Chadashos in the context of uh, mourning. That's interesting. What that to me signifies, anyone have an idea about why he would bring in the Havamina that would you not comfort them if it's not for Panim Chadashos? Like, it's a weird Havamina. No, the Havamina is... You only come to comfort them if there are new people, and but not if there aren't. And then come on, no, it doesn't matter whether there are new people or not. I would Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a hint from the wedding. So, why? What's the idea of punning chadashos at the wedding, or not at the wedding, at the uh, shabbat brachos? For each time. Yeah. Um... I also didn't know this until I learned with Yoshua. So, I have an assumption. Sure. Um, so I'm, I, mean, I was thinking about this before you said that there's that you can see the connection by by um, by um, by Shai Brachos, but maybe you could say that like you want to in, like sh- like not only show but like also like increase in the simcha and like spread it out to more people and then show yeah. like, and call like and look you have these friends and those friends and look who's coming new and look who's you know and then I was thinking you know that like doing that by Shiva would maybe be um, actually wait never mind. I had a different thought by that. Okay. But never mind. I, mean, I was thinking along similar lines as you. So with the wedding, just halakhically, you do the Sheva Brachos at the Chuppah, and then you only do the Sheva Brachos at the meals if there are new people. So so, so the idea is that people who miss the wedding can also partake of hearing the Sheva of the Sheva Brachos. So there is some public dimension of, like Chaim was saying, of like trying to spread whatever it is that we're trying to spread. The question is, how is that relevant in uh, in Avelos? You know, especially in... Nechama, because you would think Nechama is for the mourners, um, not for the new people, or not like the new people who are coming. So I don't know if this is a Kabbat Hamez thing or, or or what. So that's something to think about. And then let's just read one more and then we'll stop for today. The mourner uh, sits at the head, I don't know the head of what. And the comforters only sit on the floor. 
we don't do this anymore. At least we don't do this. That's, uh, we learn a lot of these from Eo, that Eo's friends sat on the ground. They are not permitted to say anything until the mourner opens his mouth first. Eo's um, friends sat there in silence for seven days. And then he, afterwards, he opened his mouth. Oh, they didn't say anything to him. And then he opened his mouth and he cursed his day, uh, which, you know, I don't think the mourners have to do. Vayan uh, Elifaz, and then Elifaz spoke after that. Um, once the mourner nods his head, that's low. Then the comforters are not allowed to sit near him. So that they don't burden him more than uh, like excessively. That's another thing also is like overburdening the, uh, the, the mourners. You have that, saw that in experience? Yeah. 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 That's an important thing. <laughs> yep. The worst is when, uh, when a person comes in and hijacks the, uh, the Shiva house uh, and is just oblivious to social cues. That's uh, yeah. That's not good. Yeah, the worst case of that I saw was uh, one of my students uh, lost his mother, and you know sometimes like people are in the like mood of like telling happy stories about the person who died. So this this rough came in and started like drama crying, and then started singing a niggin and trying to get everyone to sing, and it was just totally not reading the room. Not not a good uh, not a good not, not a good move. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll do this one last one because that's the end of the, of, of the section. A dead person uh, who doesn't have anyone to comfort, oh, sorry, who doesn't have mourners to comfort. So you bring 10 people to sit there in place of the Avel, in place of the mourner for all days of the Avelos, and other people gather on uh, to him. If there are not ten fixed people, then you like switch them out as long as you have ten. So that does show that there is a public dimension of if there is no mourner, you designate a mourner. You know, not a mourner. You designate ten people to serve as as the availing that people comfort. So it shows that there is a communal element to the mourning thing. And I actually one of the things I want to explore is since I'm a gear and I'm not halakhically related to my parents, um, then. I am not going to be sitting Shiva when, when they die. And so I, I have not looked into like halakhic loopholes for this, but, but, you know, my dad is Jewish. So he has siblings, even though they're not religious, my mom is not Jewish and she has no siblings. Um, so I wonder if I can do a thing where um, I am one of the 10 and I can sit and be comforted for her because she doesn't have any mourners, which is an interesting halakhic loophole. You know, I haven't asked the child about that yet, but something to do. Okay, that was practical. <laughs> All right, let's stop here for today. All right, thanks for coming. Thank you. Yep, thanks. Mama. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in 
enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewash at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.